Hello, family, and welcome to Kingwood Methodist. In John 4.23, Jesus states that a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. As we gather at church and open God's Word, we are not just coming together for the sake of gathering, but also to learn the truth of God and how we can grow to love God with our whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. As we continually surrender our lives to the Word of God by the power of the Holy Spirit, we become the type of worshipers our Heavenly Father seeks. Let's dive in together. So my name is Pastor Clint and uh, one of the pastors here. Um, missions is one of my roles. Uh, and so uh, as we lean into this uh, series that kind of we wrap up this series called Rooted and Grounded. Uh, I'm going to give uh, us an opportunity. Today we're talking about what does it mean for us to, to cast seeds of faith, to, to sow seeds of faith into the next generations. Um, as we um, think about all saints and think about all the people who have invested in our lives and in our story, um, partway through my sermon, I'm going to stop and I'm going to do something very risky. I'm going to open up the mic. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to share uh, a little bit about somebody who has, has cast seeds of faith in your life and how they did that. And so if nobody comes up and, and ministers on the mic and, and shares their gifts uh, or shares their testimony, uh, that'll be okay. And we'll continue to move on. But I want to give you an opportunity to, to speak uh, your testimony. Uh, and I want to make this a, a more regular thing for us in the, in the vine, to have opportunity to share testimony, to, to, to testify to who God is and what God's doing. And so, um, so I primed the pump. You can begin to think uh, and see whether God is calling you up, up um, to share briefly about somebody. Uh, our 930 service, um, we had some beautiful, beautiful witness um, to what God has done through the, the generations of faith. Um, and I'm excited to see what, what God will do here in this space too. So as, uh, I'm going to kind of skip over some of the flowery introduction piece to get, make sure that we have room for that space because I want to value that. Um, but we are in this series called Rooted and Grounded. We've talked about what it means for us to be a community of faith, to, to come into this space and to, um, to be able to use our gifts to witness to each other, to, to share faith together. We talked about what it means for us to be stewards of our faith. If God has given us all things, all the things that we have, God has given, what does it mean for us to, to not hold those as our own, but to consider those gods and to be stewards of the gift that he has given us? What does it mean for us to be in fellowship, we talked about? What does it mean for us to, to fellowship with one another, knowing that, uh, that we are to be of one accord, that we are to be... Um, in unity together, not just chit-chatting about how the football game went. But if true fellowship means that we, are, um, that we are encouraging one another, that we are in community in such a way that strengthens one another, that, that gives to each other when we have need. Last week, we learned about discipleship and what it means for us to, to read the word of God and to, un, to know the word of God and for us to dive into the word of God. And Sam um, gave a beautiful testimony to that in his own life. Today, we talk about what it means for us to, to spread, to sow seeds of faith amongst our community. 
So the question that I have to lead us today is, what is the story that you are passing down? What are the seeds of faith that you are sowing? We're going to be in, uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, so if you have your Bibles, you can begin to turn there. Uh, we're going to read the entire chapter because it's so important for us in our, our identity, our heritage of who we are. But in this passage, uh, Moses is talking to the Israelite people. They've, they've wandered in the desert. They were freed from Israel or from, from uh, Pharaoh's uh, grasp as slaves in Egypt. And they were freed to be the Israelite people wandering in the wilderness as God sent them to the promised land. They rejected the promised land because they didn't believe that God was big enough for, that, for him to, to lead them in. And so they wandered in the desert until an entire generation a faithless generation had died off. And then Moses brings this new generation a story of the faith that, that they inherit. And so chapters one through five uh, share a little bit of that story. It's a beautiful thing to go back and read the story in Deuteronomy. But we come to this text, Deuteronomy chapter six, where uh, Moses is, is imparting in them the deposit of their faith. And he says these words. I'm going to break them up into a couple different parts and then talk about each part uh, because it's such a long piece of text. Hear the word of the Lord in Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting in verse 1. These are the commands, the decrees, and laws that the Lord, your God, directed me to teach to you, to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children... And their children after them may fear the Lord your God, as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give to you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey, so that it may go well with you, and that you may increase greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. We pause. The first thing that we see in this text, and it's so important for us to know what God's desire for us is before we understand the things that he asks us to do. God's desire for you is that you would have long life. He says in verse 2, so that you may enjoy long life. In verse 3, he says, so that it may go well with you. That you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey. God's desire for you is fruitfulness. God's desire for you is prosperity. God's desire for you is blessing that comes in faithfulness to the, to the law. You see, but what oftentimes we do with this is we say, this is my blessing. This is, we, we personalize this and say, if I do good things, then God will bless me. But this was never meant to be an individual statement. This was meant to be a communal statement. That God's desire in a faithful community that is following after him, that he would bless a people. That he would bless a community. It doesn't mean that every person is going to see a pay raise. That may mean, hear this, that one person in the community receives a pay raise. 
And if they are truly being a, a community that is fellowshipping together, then that, then that blessing that God has poured out on one person is meant to be distributed through that one person to the rest of the community. The blessing that God pours out on us is not individual, but it is communal. So if you've been blessed, if you've been blessed in one way, shape, or form, God is calling us as to be a community that is, that is prosperous together. And this path This path to prosperity that he calls us to is not yours alone, but it is generational. That you would, remember that? So that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God. The blessings that have poured out on your grandparents, the seeds of faith that have been poured out on your grandparents ought to be then poured out into your parents who are then poured out into your kids. When we understand this notion, it must be communal and generational in nature. The second thing that we see in verse four through nine is that the seeds of faith are planted daily. Hear these words. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments I give to you today are to be on your hearts. This is called the Shema. Impress them on your children. Talk to them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Pause. Seeds of faith are meant to be planted daily. It's not, the legacy doesn't begin when we die. On our deathbed. And the things that we've passed down. No. Seeds of faith begin right now. Begin in the stories that we tell. Begin in the, the ways in which we live out our lives. Legacy begins now. Church, what are the seeds that you are planting right now? That you are planting in your children or on those that you are surrounded by and press them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. In all phases of your life, seeds are being planted of faith in the world in which you live in. You see, not every seed that we plant will grow. See, many of us, we, uh, we look at this idea of, of sowing seeds of faith and we think um, that I gotta be really efficient in the way that I sow my seeds. In the way that I sow seeds of faith, I have to wait for the perfect moment, for the perfect opportunity. The, the soil has to be just right and the, the clouds have to be, there's got to be a cloud cover so that the sun doesn't scorch the seed and it dries out. I got to make sure I water it uh, a lot after I plant this seed. I got to part the soil a little bit and then place it in there not real nicely and then cover it up because this, this seed has to grow. But when we look at scripture, when we see the way Jesus uh, looked about planting seeds, he, he talks about it in, 
in the, the parable of the sower in Matthew 13. He said, a sower went out into the field to sow seed and some of the seed fell on the concrete, fell on the gravel, fell on the, the paved paths. <laughs> it's not a very good farmer. If Jesus is commending this farmer for sowing seed and says that some falls there, he's not a very good teacher of what it means in an ag- agrarian society to be uh, a sower of seed. No, what he's saying is that, that the, the way in which we ought to be sowing seeds of faith ought to be so liberal that, that we, we just sow seeds everywhere that we go. And it's not our job to grow the seed. It's not our job to determine what, what kind of soil the seed that we're sowing is. Our job is to sow the seeds of the word of God. To sow seeds of faith. I just, uh, just came from a Kairos event in, um, at, at Kairos Hightower. And um, it's a, a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday event. And beautiful, absolutely beautiful weekend. Um, God is moving in, in beautiful ways. Kairos uh, ministry is, is so profoundly um, powerful I've never been a part of a ministry where um, you get to see in such a, uh, a, a short incubator this uh, seeds planted to fruit born in like three days. It's crazy. Usually that takes two to three, four years of investing in someone's life before you see that. But the f- soil is so fertile and so rich. And, um, and so we got to see just God be- moving in beautiful, incredible ways. But for me, I, I come in here Number one, exhausted from the weekend. But number two, feeling um, like the job isn't done because the, the retreat is still happening today and I've left my table. I've left these people that I'm in, I've been investing in so that I could be back here. And it leaves me with this, this pit in my stomach that just doesn't feel like the job is done. But for me, it's been a reminder that I'm not... I'm not the one who, who conquers in battle. The battle doesn't belong to me, right? As we sang earlier, the battle belongs to the Lord and he is the one that, plants, that, that um, helps the seeds to grow and to, 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 to fertilize and he's the one that, that sees these things through to fruition, not myself. But we are called to sow the seeds of faith so liberally the third thing that we see in our text, and I'm going to allow, um, I'm gonna, this is where I, I give the invitation for people to come forward and to share some testimony. We see in verse 10 through 12 that seeds of faith are a gift from God that are meant to be passed on. They are not our own. Verse 10 says, when the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob to give to you the land with large flourishing cities that you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things that you did not provide, wells that you did not dig, vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. Then, when you eat and are satisfied, 
Be careful, my friends, that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Friends, the seeds of faith that that have been poured into our lives are not our own, but they've been passed down from generation to generation. When we look at the screen and see... um, see the conflict that's happening in Israel uh, versus Hamas, and um, we see this conflict in the Gaza Strip, we recognize that, that our faith began in some of those spaces. The seeds of faith that, that have happened in the battles in that space, both spiritually and physically, have been passed down to us. That, that is the origins of a lot of our faith. From generation to generation to generation, though you did not plant that seed, it is yours to inherit. And so I want to open up the mic. I want to give space. Um, if you'd like to come and share, um, I'd like to give you space to answer the question, who has planted seeds of faith in your life and what, is, what did that look like? How did they plant seeds of faith in your life? The mic is open. We should have time for more than one, so. I was going to let him sweat longer, but I thought. Hey, I appreciate you, Joe. Uh, I'm Joe. Um, You know, it's a challenging question to think of who plants a seed in your life, because I I would have to say in my life, my parents did a a great job of of raising me in the faith. Um, But having done so, I left that as a teenager when I got too smart for faith and just kind of wandered the world. And, you know, I did come back, obviously, Um, but it took a long time. And, uh, you know, I think it was some troubles that we had in our life that brought us back. And I remember when uh, Tracy, my wife, and I were looking around for churches, uh, we tested a lot of places, and then we finally came here. And the blessing that we had is, I don't know whether I had more seeds poured into me, but I certainly had people who watered those seeds and and brought a dormant seed to life in in us. And so I just think about all the people I met here. Uh, We came here because of the discipleship opportunities, and I saw people living their faith, Mm -hmm. and uh, not in a superficial way, but in a sacrificial way. And so I think, uh, I'm not sure if the the old seed I had died and I got new seeds in me, but it was certainly (laughs) something that at the time just uh, kind of uh, restored me. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm ever thankful for being here. Mm -hmm. Uh, I used to say we got here two weeks after John Wayne got here, and when he left, I don't know how long we've been here now, but, uh, you know, People like himself, uh, Jim Welch, mm-hmm. um, guys like Steve Tefteller, you know, yeah. people who uh, yeah. just showed me what true faith is. Amen. Amen. Thanks for sharing that, Joe. 
Um, my name's Carol. Um, so we just went um, in August, in August, uh, we went to Tanzania in the mission trip with the church. And Hal and Sue Hagee, who, um, they're there six months, and they're back, they're members of our church, and they're back here for six months. And the faith that they have, and the way that they share Christ with these people in Africa who really have nothing, and um, the other people, the words that are there all the time, they, that's they, mm -hmm. kind of their permanent home. And how these people reached out to these um, the Africans and shared their faith, and um, it just was a real inspiration to me, and it helped really make my faith stronger, knowing that we could go out and do things like this. Amen. Amen. Thanks for sharing that. Any others? Seeds of faith that were poured, have been poured into your life? I mean, a couple duo here. <laughs> there we go. So I'm the other half of Carol. I'm John, and I obviously went with Carol. And so who sowed those seeds of faith? I know a lot of it had to do with uh, Purvis Harper in our Sunday school class talking to me about that trip, and he really got to me. And Clint has heard this story before, but part of that trip was Hal and Sue Hegie, one of their missions is to give Bibles out to the African people. And I found out about that, and so we went to build this building, and we did, and it was an amazing thing that we did, put the roof on this building. But the cool part was, Hal and Sue Hickey gave me some of those Bibles, and so I grabbed, these guys all speak you know, Swahili, they don't speak English, a few of them do, and I grabbed this one young man, Jonathan, who I knew was a Christian, and I said, Jonathan, I want to give that welder we've been working with a gift, because he taught me how to weld, and I wanted to give him a gift back. So I grabbed one of the Bibles that was designed for Muslims, because this guy's a Muslim, and working through Jonathan, gave him a Bible. And I said, I want to give you a gift back, because you gave me a gift. And just the look on his face, and then that spawned into others finding out that we had Bibles to give out. And I think he gave out 15 or 20 Bibles. And Hal and Sue told me, they said, make sure they know how to read, because they might need reading glasses. So I had them open the Bible to, guess where, John 3.16, and they had them read it. Of course, they're reading it in Swahili. I, don't, I know what it says, but I didn't know what they were saying. And I turned to them, and, and about half of them got tears running down their cheeks. And I say to them, do you know what that means? And of course, you could tell by the look on their face, I knew what that meant. And that was just such a cool moment that I will never forget. And that's all seeds that Purvis Harper sowed to me. Mm -hmm. Amen. Beautiful. Amen. Any others? Amen. Thank you, church, for sharing those. If you didn't get a, a chance to share and you think, you know, oh, man, I should have done that. Uh, I, I want to make this a, a more um, regular thing where people have opportunity to give testimony of what God is doing in their life in this space. And so um, if that means that I got to shut up a little bit up here, then I'm, I'm good with that. For me, um, seed of faith that was planted in my life um, was long before I ever knew, I didn't ever know this person, but um, uh, a, few, a few years ago, I was given a Bible for Christmas, um, and the name on the inside cover is Clinton Kimball. Uh, my name, middle name is Kimball. My first name is Clinton. And uh, this is my namesake. And uh, it was given to him on the Christmas of 1883. 
And as I thumbed through these words, he wasn't a pastor, but he was a faithful member of, of, a, of the church and a deacon in his church. And um, I see underlines on scriptures. I see things highlighted. I see notes in the margins. And this speaks to the, the legacy of faith that has been passed down from generation to generation. And when it got to my parents, they, uh, they, they didn't carry their faith with them until Christ spoke to them after they had gotten married and, and came to Christ and then carried on those legacy, the seeds of faith in my heart that have led me to where I am. And I give thanks for the legacy of faith that has gone so far before me that the seeds planted in my parents' lives, even though they walked away from them, they were scattered and they were sown. And they impacted a, another generation for me and my family and my brothers and my sister. You see, the seeds that have been poured into your life are a gift for you then to pour those out to, to others. Church, how are, the seed, how are you sowing seeds of faith in your life? The last thing that we see in this text as we wrap up um, this, this passage of Scripture, the Shema, I'm, I'm not going to focus too, too much on this, la- this next section because it t- talks, talks mostly about the, um, the punishment that God will, will bring on his people, the seriousness of, of carrying this out. But uh, I think it's important for us, and then I'll focus on that last text as we close. Verse 13 says, Fear the Lord your God, serve him only. And take your oaths in his name. Do not follow other gods, the gods of the people around you. For the Lord your God who is among you is is a jealous God and his anger will burn against you. And he will destroy you from the face of the earth. That's pretty serious. God's not messing around with this. Because he knows the destruction that will happen in your own heart as you sow seeds that are contrary to the gospel for generations. Do not put the Lord your God to the test as you did at Massah. Be sure to keep the commands of the Lord your God and the stipulations and decrees that he has given you. Do what is right and good in the Lord's sight so that you may go, so it may go well with you and that you may go in and take over the good land that, that the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors, thrusting out all of your enemies before you as the Lord said. And he closes with this. In the future, when your sons ask you, what is the meaning of the stipulations, decrees, and laws that the Lord our God has commanded you? And you know that they will ask you. Because anytime we we tell our kids to do something, they say, why? Why am I supposed to do that? And our response oftentimes is, because I said so. What he tells The Israelite people is so profound here. He says, tell them, we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with his mighty hand. Before our eyes, the Lord sent signs and wonders, great and terrible on Egypt and Pharaoh and his whole household. But he brought us out from there to bring us in and give us the land that he promised on oath to our ancestors. 
The Lord commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear the Lord our God so that we might prosper and be kept alive as is the case today. And if we are careful to obey all his laws before the Lord our God as he commanded us, that will be our righteousness. It's a long-winded answer to why. But it tells the story of the legacy of God that he passed down so that they understand the reason why we do what we do. They understand who we are. You see, in the darkest days of Israelites' life, God sowed seeds of faithfulness. See, friends, trial reveals God's seeds of faithfulness in our lives. When we go through the most difficult times in our lives is when the the, the greatest seeds are cast for your faith, whether good or bad. When we go through stress, do we come home and go to the bottle? Because those seeds will be cast. When we are dealing with a lot of stress, do we respond in anger and lash out to the people around us? Those are the seeds that people will will grasp the seeds that are cast. When we go through difficult financial times, do we, do we just hit the grindstone even harder and, and just, just buckle down and work hard, work hard, work hard? Or do we actually go to God in those times? What happens in seasons of trial will reveal to you more than anything the depth of your faith. I've talked about the, the, my trip to uh, Yosemite and the sequoia trees at, at, um, at Sequoia National Park. And you would think these massive trees would have these massive pine cones and seeds that they scatter. But um, the actual the sequoia pine cone is very small. And as these pine cones, you'll see them all over the the ground floor, and these pine cones have no seed-bearing ability. They're useless because this, this pine cone will never open up unless, unless it's in the tree when a forest fire comes through. The heat of the forest fire, the the trial of the forest fire on this tree, heats up the pine cones in the branches and it opens up the pine cone so that it can begin to shower seeds down into the ground. Without trial, these trees cannot sow their seed. My friends, As you go through trial in life, it will show more than anything else the seeds of faith in which you sow. I want to invite the the band forward as we close today. Church, what kind of seed are you sowing in your family, in your workplace? What kind of seeds are you sowing with your time, with your your talents, your gifts, your treasures, your witness? 
Because the seeds that you sow will affect the generations to come. I came across this quote um, from Charles, Charles Spurgeon that I want to read as we close. If Jesus is precious to you, you will not be able to keep your good news to yourself. You will be whispering it into the child's ear. You will be telling it to your husband. You will be earnestly imparting it to your friend. Without the charms of eloquence, you will be more than eloquent. Your heart will speak. And your eyes will flash as you talk of his sweet love. Every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. Recollect that. You either try to spread abroad the kingdom of Christ or else you do not love him at all. It cannot be that there is a high appreciation of Jesus and a total silence of tongue about him. Friends, the call to discipleship and testimony is not one of eloquence or efficiency, but it is one of incredible importance. It's not a request to sow seed. It is a biblical mandate for us as followers of Christ. And so in light of those who have gone before us, in light of the generations before who have sown seeds of faith that have led us to where we are today, I ask you the question, how are you sowing seeds of faith, church? As we take of communion this morning, we see the greatest seed that Christ sowed into our lives. And that is his love for us. His love that was committed for us on the cross. It was sealed by his blood. And so on the night that Jesus gave himself up for us, he broke bread and he, he said, this is my body which has been broken for you. Take and eat and do this in remembrance of me. And then he took the cup. He raised it and he gave thanks. He said, this is the blood of the new covenant which is poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Every time you meet, drink this in remembrance of me. And so we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would pour out your presence on these common elements of bread and cup. And would you make them for us so much more than that? Would you make them the body and the blood of Christ so that we as Christ's church might be reconciled to you we might be sent out into the world to be sowers of the seed of love and forgiveness that you've called us to. So we might be ministers of reconciliation to the world, ambassadors of Christ. So we might be missionaries and not imposters for the gospel of Christ. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we give thanks. Today, as we take of communion, we'll take the intention, which just means that you hold your hands out and you receive the bread of life and you dip it into the cup. I'd encourage you just to take some time to spend time at the rail. Any offering that you bring up to the rail uh, today will, will go towards uh, the Israel-Hamas crisis um, and sent to uh, Samaritan's Purse, um, who does beautiful work over there. 
Um, if you uh, are coming forward with your, um, your pledge cards, those can go here in this basket as well on your way up. We don't ask that you be a Methodist to come forward for communion. We ask that you consider seriously the call of Christ. All are welcome at the table of Christ. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, come. The table is set. If you need gluten-free elements, I'll be up here as well in the middle.